Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. You can have a seat and good morning. Uh, We live in a time, in a culture, in a place, in a season where we all struggle to focus, right? We we all will struggle at times to really narrow our gaze, to really uh, set our mind or our heart or our attention or our affections on one solid path forward, right? We struggle to focus because we live in a world that is full of relationships and responsibilities, distractions and diversions, all these things that are competing simultaneously for our attention and for our affection. And as we are surrounded by these overwhelming options, our God has given us the book of Philippians. And he has given us instruction in this book, in this letter written by Paul to a church in Philippi thousands of years ago. We find instruction for our lives today in how to guide our hearts and our minds and how to focus. It shows us how we can follow Jesus with excellence in this world, what it's all about, the focus of our faith. It's a focus that we looked at last week on the people around us. And it's a focus this week that can look a lot like this. Check this out. It's not that cool. It's very cool. There's talent going on in this room. Okay, I'll spin it. Spin the pillow. I I can spin pillows. (laughs) It's my thing. So much pressure to perform right now. Yeah, but you can do this. Wait, why are you so good at this? There is something inspiring in watching someone reach their fullest potential, right? In finding their truest purpose in life. There is something incredible in that. There's something inspiring of watching someone really just really fulfill their life's purpose, right? To move in sync with what they're designed to do. There's something wonderful in watching the quarterback throw that perfect pass, right? There were a few. There were, I promise. There's something inspiring about watching someone, uh, the professor, deliver that perfect lecture or your classmate just turn in that perfect presentation or that perfect paper. There's something inspiring about watching your roommate just perfectly watch all of Parks and Rec again, right? You're just, oh, inspirational on so many levels. And yet the truth is, is that we as people, we are not always confident in our own purpose, right? We will find ourselves uncertain of where to begin or or where to go when our purpose hits problems, when when we don't know what that purpose might be, or when we think we know what it is, but it hits snags, right? When the grades don't add up, or, or when the job doesn't come through, or when the relationship falls apart, when it doesn't last. Or maybe sometimes we find ourselves just pulled in too many directions. We feel like we have too many purposes in our life where we have to be sons and daughters and boyfriends and girlfriends and classmates and and students and employees and whatever it might be. We're suddenly fulfilling all these roles and all these responsibilities and all these relationships all at the same time. And, And it can be a drain on us. It can be a frustration for us, especially because as believers, 
if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, if we've been adopted out of sin and death and into the family of God as children of the Lord Most High, somewhere deep in our mind, we know, we've been told, we've been taught, we've seen or we've heard that we have a purpose as Christians, as believers. And so suddenly we have all these purposes, all these things that we could potentially focus on when we ask ourselves, where do we focus? Which purpose deserves our focus? How do we maintain then that focus even when problems arise? Last week, we saw that one of the primary, initial, most important focuses of our faith is the people around us. We saw that in the life of Paul with the church in Philippi. And this morning, what we'll see is that as Paul continues to write this letter to these men and these women that he loves in this church in Philippi, this church that he helped start, as he's writing to them, we don't just see this initial focus for the Christian life on people. We suddenly see a focus in the Christian life on a singular purpose, to advance the gospel in all circumstances. You see, we see him in Philippians 1, verse 12, writing to these men and women, these people that he's lived with, he's worked with, he's struggled with, these people that he longs to be with, and yet they're apart. And so in this time, as he's writing in this letter, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my situation has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The whole imperial guard and everyone else knows that I am in prison for the sake of Christ. Paul is telling them, look, I am in dire straits, right? If you look at my situation, it doesn't look good. He's been in prison. That's why they're apart. He's been imprisoned. And yet he says, turns out this imprisonment, this situation, it's good. God's using it to advance the gospel in two ways. The first one being that everyone around him knows why he's in prison. In other words, Paul's that guy walking around the prison like, hey, do you know why I'm here? Jesus. Like he's just, he's just telling everybody. It's increasing his own personal ministry. And then beyond that, he says, most of the brothers and sisters having confidence in the Lord because of my imprisonment, they now more than ever dare to speak the word fearlessly. How beautiful is that? He says, not only has my imprisonment increased my own ability to minister to the people around me, to this new audience that I never would have had, he says, but it is emboldening, it is, it is creating confidence in other believers around me to speak the word fearlessly. It's increasing the ministry of people around me in my area because of the situation I find myself in. And this is huge, right? This is incredibly powerful because naturally, as we are seeking out after a purpose, if we're kind of moving in a lane, we're, we're seeking after a goal, we're moving in a purpose, if we encounter a situation that seems to contradict that, right, something that's unexpected, a missed expectation, whatever it might be, as we encounter setbacks and hindrances, generally, we will let that setback redirect our purpose. We just assume, okay, that's it, like I do something different now because there's this resistance, because there's this pushback. That's just what we do naturally as people. Uh, my wife and I are currently uh, walking through the process of potty training our daughter. We have a daughter named Charlotte who's going to be three in December. She has a, a brother named Lawrence who's going to be or is eight months tomorrow. And, and we love them. We cherish them. And we are trying to raise them in the ways of the Lord. And part of raising them in the ways of the Lord is telling them to go on the potty. Okay, that's part of it. Ecclesiastes 4. All right, that's, uh, it's in there. And so as we're working with Charlotte through this process, uh, there are difficulties that arise. And, and one of them that I, didn't, I never would have expected was just pulling up your pants, okay? Apparently, pulling up your pants is a learned skill. Most of us know how to pull up our pants. 
do not take that for granted. Like that is a good, that is a powerful skill because our daughter Charlotte, she struggles. And after she goes on the potty and we're so proud, we're like, good job, Charlotte. You went on the potty, you get a dot, you get a, you know, whatever it is. All of a sudden, when we get to that next step of like, okay, now pull your pants back up. She's like, no, no. We're like, Charlotte, no, you need to pull your pants back up. It's too hard, too hard. We say, no, Charlotte, it's not. Like, look, they're, they're right there. Charlotte, just, just get them. And she'll, she'll get one hand, she'll go, no, it's too hard, it's too hard. And just the other day, she just, it turns into a thing. She's screaming and yelling and flopping on the floor. Her pants are now like outside. We're like, how'd that happen? And she just cannot pull those pants up. And she has decided, no, like it's, it's too hard. Therefore, I must have a different purpose in life. I must be destined to live without pants. Like that is my lot. That is my course that has been set for me by the Lord. And it's not true, right? Like, but there's something in us as people is when we hit those setbacks, when we hit those initial difficulties, we just think, okay, I guess I'm just meant for something else, right? Like we change our major because we get the grades don't come up, right? The grades don't pull through. The GPA doesn't line up. We, we maybe, we end that relationship because conflict arises. We leave that job because we don't like that boss. And, and it's not that all of those endings are wrong, right? But they are still all redirections. And we have to recognize that, yeah, a lot of times in life, again, sometimes it's good that we redirect in the face of obstacles, but our gospel is different. But our purpose of advancing that gospel, of telling people the good news of Jesus Christ, that he stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again, telling people that, showing people that with our words and with our actions, that doesn't get redirected. It just doesn't. There's a perseverance to our gospel, to that purpose. And it's beautiful. I want to see if I can get it. beauty of perseverance. What a testimony to the perseverance of the human spirit. This is what our gospel does. It makes blimps honk. Like that's what it does. Paul says that our gospel, the advancement of our gospel is something that goes beyond the initial setbacks, the initial situations that maybe don't seem ideal. He says our gospel continues to go forward. Our purpose continues to push us and move us forward. That's what he writes to Timothy. When Timothy is struggling to kind of move and work and lead in a church, he says, this is what you got to do. He says, you got to be ready to preach the message. And you got to be ready whether it's convenient or not. Other translations will say whether it's in season or out of season. He says, you got to be ready to reprove and rebuke and exhort with a complete patience and instruction. You got to be ready to fulfill that purpose. You got to be ready to move forward in that mission. You got to be ready to advance that gospel because sometimes it's not going to be convenient. There's not always going to be that moment where you're standing in line at Starbucks and someone turns around and says, do you have a minute to tell me about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like, they're not going to do that. 
do you, ha- do you know how I might be saved? Like maybe, maybe at Lupa's, but not at Starbucks. Like that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and so when we see this play out, when we see it play out in the life of Paul, we should realize, man, there's truth to these words. And yet even more powerful than the example of Paul who's able to share the gospel with his fellow inmates, with his prison guards, even more so, we see the example of Jesus Christ himself who even when he was looking at the worst types of situations, the worst kind of setback, when he was looking at, at, at suffering and dying, when he was looking at the fact that he was going to be rejected and beaten and scorned and mocked and crucified, when he was in that moment looking at what's coming up, he confesses, he's honest to his father, and he says, God, I, I know that this stuff is coming, and I wish there was another way. He says, man, if there's any other way, show me. Let me walk that path. Let me redirect my steps, if at all possible. But if there's no other way, he says, ultimately, what I want is your will, not mine. He set the example for us to follow of one of saying, God, I want your purpose to be fulfilled. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Not my own. Paul says the advancement of our gospel, the purpose that we've been given, it takes precedent over any situation you might find yourself, any setback that might appear. But it's even greater, not only than these setbacks, not only than these situations, but it's even greater than the sin that we might see show up in our lives. It's even greater than maybe the motivations that show up that to us seem like they would derail the gospel. You see, in Paul's day, in this early church day, a day that we like to kind of glorify, a day that we kind of idolize, we say, oh man, that early church, like everyone like ate bread together and they like hung out together. They like spent all this time like, oh, if we could just be the early church. And I'm telling you, there were wonderful things happening thousands of years ago in the church and the body of Christ, but there were also horrible practices going on, which Paul calls out. He says, you know what, right now in this early church, to be sure, there are some people, to be sure, who are preaching Christ from envy and rivalry. In other words, there are people who are letting wrong motivations spur them to action. They are preaching the news of Christ out of sinful hearts. So others, they are preaching from goodwill, right? And, and those ones that are doing it from goodwill, they're doing so from love because they know that I'm placed here for the defense of the gospel. So there are absolutely people that are running hard, doing a great job, helping others find and follow Jesus. He says, I love it. But you need to recognize that there's some people who are proclaiming Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely. They're doing this because they think that they can cause trouble for me in my imprisonment. They're, they're trying to stir up the crowds and, and worry the governmental officials that this Jesus thing is taking root, that this Jesus thing is going to subvert the government. And so just to hurt me, they're trying to preach Christ crucified. They're, they're teaching about this from wrong motivations. And yet, in the midst of this horrible, dark situation, in the midst of the sin that is very evident to the eyes of Paul and probably other believers, other people in the area, what's the result? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Paul is able to rejoice because of the right result, 
even if the motivations are wrong. How powerful is that? That he looks at these people, these people that are preaching, that are doing these things, and he knows it's to hurt him. He knows these people are aiming to, to make his imprisonment worse, to, to worsen his sentence, to worsen his situation. He knows that they're coming out from the, all the wrong reasons, and yet he says, I rejoice because, like it or not, they are proclaiming truth. They're trying to hurt me, but in the end, Christ is still being proclaimed. He says, so I'm going to rejoice in that. Which is huge because generally, man, we will allow sin, we will allow wrong motivations to overshadow our own purposes, right? If we know that someone has the wrong motivation to something, man, it, it sort of, it darkens the result for us, generally speaking. You know, just good old-fashioned father-son beat-up, right? That's, that's what's taking place. And I saw this video. I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. That's someday. Uh, may I live that life. And then I realized that the title of the video, though, it's, is When Your Kid Annoys You, part four. Like, <laughs> it's a little weird, right? I mean, it's, I'm sure it's tongue-in-cheek. I'm sure it's something fun. But the reality is, I mean, if we see someone doing something and, and when we see they're doing something maybe good or awesome or fun or funny or whatever it might be, if we know that they have wrong motivations behind it, we're like, oh, it just kind of, it, it makes us cringe a little bit. It makes us kind of unsure that GPA that our friend achieves or that GPA that we achieve, it's darkened if it's motivated by selfish ambition, right? If they're just chasing that at all costs. We've seen that. We've done that. Chase that grade or that salary or that job, whatever it might be. And the motivation behind it is just, I'm going to get what's mine and forget the rest. The end result is darkened. It's, it's tainted. That, that, that leadership position that we get into or our friend gets into, it's darkened by the pride that maybe is motivated the seeking it out or the pride that motivates staying in it and telling people about it, leveraging that authority or that influence for personal gain. That relationship that we're in might look good, but it's darkened if it's motivated out of a fear of being alone. If we have no business being in a relationship and yet we're too terrified to be by ourselves, And so we cling to that relationship. We, we, just, we just hold on to it with everything we've got. The motivation behind those results can darken and, and, and taint and muddy the water. But what's incredible is that Paul says our gospel is different. He says the good news of Jesus Christ, it's different. The purpose that we've been given, I mean, it's, it's going to advance regardless of the motivation that people bring to the table, that people are, are, are using to move their feet and their mouths and their hands. I've been on staff here at Grace for nine years. And I'll tell you, over nine years of vocational ministry working at Grace, I have been in and out of ministry experiences for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. I have preached sermons out of a desire for acceptance. An affirmation and applause. I've counseled students out of a fear of rejection. 
out of a fear of, of not knowing what's right to say or not, of, of seeming like unprofessional or not, not able to like fix the thing, of, of not wanting to look bad in and of myself. I've made decisions out of, out of selfishness and, and in anger and in frustration and, and out of pride. Right? I, I've, I've, de- I've dealt with my, my staff or my leaders or my, my students, my, my volunteers. I've, I've dealt with people in different situations in this job. As a full-time professional Christian, I have brought all the wrong reasons, all the wrong motivations to the table. Over nine years, you, you, I mean, come on. But I've committed myself. I try to commit myself daily to fight against that flesh, to beg the Lord to move despite me. And it's a commitment that I still fail at. (laughs) It's a request that I still have to make that I probably make more now than I did nine years ago because I just increasingly see my own insignificance and my own inability and my own insufficiency when it comes to being a proclaimer and a minister of the gospel. And yet what's incredible is that over those nine years, as I continue to see my own failure and fault, I continue to see the greatness and the goodness and the power and the strength of the Lord. And I trust and I know that he's going to move and he's going to speak and he's going to change lives not because of me, but in spite of me. And I can rejoice because he's strong in my weakness and his grace is sufficient. And I find myself like Paul, who in writing his letters and describing himself early in his ministry, he would call himself the least of the sinners, which is a humble statement, right? To say, I'm the least of all the, of our, sorry, least of the saints. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't have been humble. Uh, he says, I'm the least, <laughs> I'm the least of the saints. I'm the least of the saints. Of all the saints, of all the followers of Jesus, he says, man, I'm the bottom of the barrel. And then by the end of his ministry, years later, letters later, he will describe himself as the greatest of sinners. The worst of the worst. In other words, he's not saying, man, I'm the bottom of that barrel. He says, I'm at the top of this one. That's at the end of his ministry. And it's because he suddenly was saying new things or doing new things or thinking new things. He's worst. No, absolutely not. It was the fact that he was increasingly convicted of his own fault and failure. He was increasingly convicted. He was more and more aware of his own depravity. <laughs> Man, that's, that's something that we all will find ourselves facing to varying degrees. Slowly but surely, the process of sanctification, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks, that, that's what it is. It's God showing us, man, there are things that are wrong with you. And we're shielded from them. Naivety, uh, ignorance is bliss in some ways, in some seasons. And, and slowly but surely, God will unveil to us, no, there's, there's things working. There's conviction that's, that's here that, that's good because that's the process of healing, right? Jesus says he came to heal the sick, not to heal the well. He did, the well doesn't need a physician. He says, but I'm here for the sick. And we have to realize that we're failed and that we're broken in order for the grace of God to really take root, to really take hold. So we see in our scripture that, man, we're always going to have this wrong motivation. We're always going to have this sin in process in our life. And yet what's beautiful is that our God has committed to work with us through that process. 
We're going to get here in a couple weeks. But Paul says that we have to always obey, not only in his presence, but even more so in his absence. Continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence because, because the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God. He says God is at work within you, and it's a process. And it's not only to change the effort, the action, it's also going to change the desire the attitude. It's not only changing the movement, it's changing the motivation. It says God is going to change your heart. That's why we rejoice as believers. We know that we are a new creation. And it's not all of us, is, it's not that we're suddenly sinless and perfect. No, there's, there's a process that takes place. But suddenly we've been freed for freedom. We've been freed from sin and death that's no longer our master. Suddenly we have a choice. Suddenly we have options before us. Suddenly we have a greater, better path to follow. And will we still stumble? Will we still stray? Absolutely. But our God is good to call us back. Our God is faithful to put us back on that path, to work with us. And that's why we have to recognize that we can't disqualify ourselves from ministry because we're afraid of not having the right motivation. Because we're always going to have issues. We're always going to have sin. We're fooling ourselves if we think, oh, no, now I've reached the point where the Lord, I, the Lord can use me. I'm ready, you know? Oh, yes. That's not going to happen. So many times I've had so many conversations where people will think, no, like I can't take that step. I can't share the gospel with those people. I can't share my testimony with those people. I can't go overseas because to be a missionary, you just got to have it together, right? Like that's our assumption. And it's just not true. It's just not true. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. It's a lie that we'll buy into, that we have some sort of threshold to cross of holiness before God can use us. God says, man, I'm gonna equip you regardless of where you are. I'm gonna call you forward. I'm gonna move you forward. I'm gonna be the strength behind your movement. He says, I'm gonna change your desire and your effort. So go forward. That's why I love events that we have like this Friday with Revive, where we're coming together to just look at what God's doing in the nations, to all people everywhere. We're looking at the gospel moving, and we're going to see ways that we can be a part of it. And I know some of us are going to be tempted to think, no, I'm not there. Like, I'm still struggling with this thing. I'm still talking about this stuff. And, and I'm telling you, it's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. That you cannot be used by God for wonderful, powerful things. Because what Scripture tells us the truth that I have to cling to on a daily basis as someone in vocational ministry, I have to cling to the truth of our scripture that God promises to use us in our weakness, that he promises to use us in our failure, that his gospel is greater than those wrong motivations, than that sin that might arise. Paul says the gospel is gonna advance over the situations that seem less than ideal. It's going to advance over the motivations that are sinful and wrong. He says it's also going to advance in the face of suffering and hardship. A thing that I think really honestly derails more of us than anything else. Paul says, I'm going to continue to rejoice for I know 
that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And he's not talking about physical deliverance. He's not saying, I'm not rejoicing because I know I'm going to get out of prison. He says, I'm rejoicing because I'm going to be delivered in another way. He says, my confident hope is that I will in no way be ashamed, but that with complete boldness, even now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or die. In other words, Paul is saying, look, I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to be confident because I have a hope that I can rest in. This is biblical faith right here. It's not this hope against hope, fingers crossed, like maybe it's, no, I am confident in this hope. I am confident that Christ will be exalted. It's going to happen. He says, whether I live or whether I die. In other words, there's a deliverance that's coming and maybe it's in this life and maybe it's through death, but either way, Christ is exalted. My purpose will be fulfilled. The gospel will advance. He says, for, for, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I'm to go on living in the body, this means productive work for me, yet I don't know which I prefer. He says, I don't know. I'm torn between life and death because I have a desire to depart, right? To be with Christ, which is better by far for him personally, but it's more vital for your sake that I remain in the body. So he'll go on in the next couple of verses and land on the fact that he says, you know, I know that while it would bring me such wonderful peace and fulfillment and satisfaction to be gone from this world, to be united with my Savior, he says, you know, I'm glad to be here because I am happy to remain incarcerated for your sake. He says, because I know it's vital that I remain here for you. It's because I know God's going to do work. I know that God's going to use this suffering for a greater purpose. And this is so powerful because Again, naturally, just in our lives, we generally will allow suffering to just eliminate our own purposes, to just kind of shut the whole thing down. As I said, my wife and I, we're walking through potty training with our daughter, and I'll tell you, I am just, I am, we, uh, I'm just not, I'm not built for it. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a bad potty trainer. Like, it is just not, it's not in me, uh, because I will find myself in moments where there is urine on my floor, okay? That's just part of my life now. Um, I, have a, I have a roommate who just intentionally will urinate on my floor. Uh, some of you are like, I, I know, but I think we're there. <laughs> but it's hard. And I take it a little too personally. And I will walk into my, just like yesterday, I walk into my room and starts laying at, at the foot of my bed on my rug that all I paid for, all of these things I made possible. <laughs> Everything the light touches in my kingdom. <laughs> And she's just laying there, and she looks distraught. And she goes, ooh, pee-pee, pee-pee. And I said, where? I said, you need to go? Like, where? where? Like, well, you need to? And she's like, no, pee-pee. And I said, where? She goes, <laughs> and I know that means everywhere. That's what, that's the code. And sure enough, I'm like, Charlotte. And she just, she urinated all over my rug, just laying there. And in those moments, there's, I, in my mind, I'm just like, it's done right? It's over. And I just will so quickly jump to you. You will, lit, you will wear diapers forever. Have fun. Have fun being a sophomore in college in pull-ups because I can't do this. I just can't. And I will, I will just shut down. Thankfully, my wife is both rational and gracious. And so the process continues. She picks us all up and comforts us all and, and moves us forward. But man, there's just something about that, that person. I just feel personally attacked when I get out that spray stuff that you use for dogs and I'm wiping, you know, as I'm cleaning up that stuff. 
There's just something in me that's like, I just, it's just, I just gotta end. Like, I just gotta end it. And that's what we do, right? We just, we will be in those moments where we think, you know, I'm, I, I know that I, I've gotta seek out community, maybe. Maybe I need like some meaningful friendships, some, some brothers and sisters, but, but I've been burned in the past and so I just give up. Some of us, we've stopped looking for meaningful, healthy relationships in our lives because we were burned by people in the past. And we say, what's the point? I'm just gonna stop. Some of us, we, we, we walked through moments and, and seasons and maybe we're there right now where, where maybe we hear these things about God. Maybe we still go to church every once in a while or we do these different things. We have some spiritual conversations. But um, really, if we're really honest with ourselves, we say, you know what? I'm just not really in this anymore. I don't really want to know this guy. I don't really want to put work and energy into this. Why? Because at some point in my past, there was a missed expectation. I got burned. I got hurt. I was praying for those things, and I never saw it happen. I was praying for those people, and they never changed. And I, I thought these things would go one way. I thought the Lord would move, and he never did. And so we find ourselves in moments just saying, it's, it's done. What's the point? Because we find ourselves in moments where we we're hurting, we're suffering. And we think, in the midst of this despair, where's the hope? In the midst of this pain, where's the comfort? In the midst of this darkness, where's the light? And yet Paul tells us, Scripture informs us, time and time again, that our God, that our purpose, that our gospel is different. Different. Once we, uh, it was, my sister and I, we started running to the left, and every time they shot, we took cover because, uh, you know, you don't want to be the one guy who's just standing up running because for all we knew, uh, that would just make us a target. Um, but my sister, you know, being as noble as she is, she actually threw herself on top of me and was saying, I love you, Taylor, I love you. And uh, I'll never forget that, but um, I, you know, I still didn't even know if that was safe or not, but, you, you know, it's kind of a fight-or-flight situation. You can't really, you just got to take it to God at that point and, you know, hope that you can make it and hope that you're, you're safe. And I know I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I'm just, you know, I'm, I was agnostic going into that concert, and I'm a firm believer in God now because there's no way that, you know, all that happened and that I made it and I was blessed enough to, to still be here alive talking to you today. Now, I don't know the state of Taylor's heart. I don't know where he's actually at, where he's landed. But what I know, what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced, is that our God can take moments of horrific destruction and use them to change eternal destinations, to radically alter the eternal trajectory of people's lives. You've seen it. Our God says that's the news that we've been given. That's the news that as believers we've bought into. That's the news as believers that we're called to share. That we have a hope that's greater than anything that this world has to offer. We have a promise 
that extends beyond this brokenness. It's what motivated the psalmist to write in 119, remember your word to your servant for you've given me hope. This is what comforts me in my trouble. Your promise revives me. Arrogant people, they do nothing but scoff at me and yet I do not turn aside from your law. The psalmist sees, man, God, you've given me something that's bigger and greater and stronger and more powerful. God, you've looked in the middle of despair and you brought hope. You look in the middle of darkness, you brought light. He says, this is something that comforts me. It revives me. He says, and it's something that I don't wanna turn from. He says, this is a purpose that I'm gonna hold fast to. This is something I'm gonna continue to pursue, to know you and to make you known. God, I know that ultimately you are in control, that ultimately you have a promise, you have a promise of a solution that's coming when Jesus Christ returns. He says all these things are going to be done away with, and yet there's going to be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when that day comes, there's no more tears and there's no more suffering. There's no more worry. There's no more despair because we can know ultimately that God is in control, that Christ is reigning supreme. And when we look to that day, when we look to that hope, we should be motivated. Paul says, we cannot lose sight of the fact that we have to share this hope with the world around us. Regardless of the destruction, regardless of the despair, I would argue even more so in the destruction, even more so in the despair, whether it's Vegas, whether it's in our lives, whether it's in our friends' lives, whether it's cancer or divorce or depression, it doesn't matter. What we see is this incredible truth that Jesus Christ loves you and died for you. And that is something that we share with the world around us. It's a purpose that continues regardless of our situation, regardless of the motivations, regardless of the destruction that we might encounter. We see in our scripture this high calling, this high purpose, this incredible promise. And man, some of us, we hear that and we see that. We say, man, that's me. Man, I'm there. I've seen the Lord work. I've seen the Lord move. And you know what I would love? This is, a, this is a high ask, but I would love for you to contact us. I would love for you to text us and just reach out and just connect with us. We would love to meet up and talk with you and hear from you about, man, how has God been moving in your life? We want to know what's God doing in our midst. What are the testimonies to his power and his greatness and his gospel? that are already taking place. Reach out to us, please. We would love to hear your story. And I know that some of us, we say, man, that's not me. I'm not there. Some of us, we would say, man, I don't know where God stands with me, where I stand with him. I don't know what that relationship maybe looks like. I thought I knew and now I don't, or I've never seen it lived out well. I, I, I... Reach out to us. We would love to connect with you. We would love to hear your story. We would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Send us a text. Start a conversation. Because I'm telling you, this is why we're here. This is the purpose of our existence. The focus of our faith. To see the people around us and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, to advance the gospel regardless of where we find ourselves. So let's pray to God and ask him to accomplish this.
God, we thank you that you've given us not just instruction and direction, but God, you've given us motivation. Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit to be strong where we're weak. Lord, to comfort us where we despair. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a a new heart and a new mind. Lord, you've given us a a way forward that is just, it it defies our comprehension because God, in and of ourselves, we, we can't do it. Lord, we don't have it in us to maintain that hope, Lord, to to have the right words, to to share the right story, to answer the right questions. Lord, we, we can't. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would acknowledge that insufficiency and then rejoice in your sufficiency, Lord, the, the fact that you promised to step into those gaps and to be strong where we're weak. So if you would, take a moment right now and just pray to God. Confess him. God, this is, this is where I am right now. God, I, I'm not sure where I stand with you. God, I don't, I don't know what our relationship really is right now. And if that's you, I, I, would, I would encourage you to then say, God, I, I want you to make a conversation happen. Lord, give me an opportunity to talk with that roommate or a friend who brought me or, or a family member or a, a staff member here. Guys, God, give me an opportunity to just talk with someone about what the gospel means to my life, about what Jesus Christ has done for me. Some of us, maybe we say, God, I, I know where I stand with you. God, I, I know what our relationship is. I, I know, though, that, that the gospel has changed me, but it needs to change others, that it needs to move beyond my life. So if that's you, just ask the Lord. Say, God, show me what are my next steps? Where is it that I can speak the good news of Jesus Christ? Where is it that I can live out the good news of Jesus Christ? God, what's the classroom or the, the, the roommate or the, the family member, the, the person that I could talk with, that I could, I could engage with, that I could just share the reason for my hope? God, show me what nation is it maybe that you're calling me to? What people group are you calling me towards to proclaim your gospel, to make your truth known, to bring light and darkness? God, show me what's my next step Where's the next place that I'm being called to fulfill my purpose of advancing your gospel? Take a moment, pray those things now. Hello and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Vera. And I'm Jacob Smith. And we are just here to dig a little bit deeper into the sermons and uh, talk a little bit more about what's coming up in our ministry. So uh, we are we're here at the beginning of a new series mm-hmm. in the book of Philippians. Yes, we are. And it's really exciting. It is fun. The semester has been uh, amazing. It's been a great kickoff. And uh, this back half of the semester, we've been uh, doing a sermon series in Philippians and uh, going through it a little bit different pacing between across our two campuses, Mm -hmm. but uh, it has been a great start to the semester. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we, and just kind of reading through the book of Philippians, we um, really, we saw kind of this, this theme of, of how uh, Paul's, you know, writing to these people uh, that he knows and loves, uh, we'll talk about here in a second, but he just, uh, in, in his writing to him, he really seems to be 
guiding their attention and their affections, kind of like pointing them onto kind of a, a good path. You know, he's encouraging them and he's thankful for them and all that great stuff, but he's also sort of bringing them back to sort of the, the basic kind of fundamental focuses of their faith. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where we, where we go from here. We've been um, looking at a couple different focuses so far. We have a few more weeks to go. Yeah. Um, but we really want to take a moment and just sort of set up the book, like kind of set up like who who is Paul actually talking to? Because a, a lot of – there's a lot of confusion mm-hmm. or not really confusion, just sort of uncertainty and unawareness um, from students about like, okay, so – Paul was like a guy and he just like wrote letters to like random people and like mm. put them in a bottle and threw them out his window. Well, like and, what? E- and even other than that, you know, sometimes it, it feels like, okay, this is this mystical book that is kind of unapproachable and kind of difficult to understand. And so may- maybe it's uh, just truisms or sayings, right. but, but don't understand how, uh, how it was compiled, how it was written. So, yeah, s- simply to jump off, you know, Paul was uh, a Jewish man. Uh, he was trained um, at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a a Roman citizen. He was an educated man, uh, but he was also Jewish and and uh, a part of a group of Jewish zealots, uh, our Jewish uh, political party called the Pharisees, that were uh, conservative and really uh, oppressive to cr- the Christians, the early Christian movement. And uh, you read in Acts that Paul was actually on the forefront of the Christian persecution. Until a moment in Damascus, his Damascus Road experience, right. he saw the light. Jesus just showed up and was like, stop it. And he was like, oh, okay. And so then he changed, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so then he, you know, went on, on uh, you know, he, he kind of got trained up. He he had some really great guys like Barnabas pour into him and, and disciple him and um, prepare him for just sort of a new phase of ministry. And he started off really just being a sold-out, awesome missionary, like just moving from kind of epicenter to epicenter, preaching the gospel and planting churches, yeah. uh, which is where Philippians comes from. Yeah, and, and uh, on his first missionary journey, he was kind of in a, in a smaller area um, traveling, um, starting from Antioch. But then, yeah, his second missionary journey, he ventured further. Um, ma- mainly his missionary journey is all centered around the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And so he traveled by boat to different cities and usually go to synagogues, uh, preach the gospel, and people would come to faith. And really, he was the first major church planter that our church, that the church, the big C church, has ever seen and was phenomenal at starting up churches from nothing mm-hmm. and and spreading the gospel. And so he had three major missionary journeys that we know of. Uh, most of those are talked about in Acts. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after his third missionary journey, he made a trip to Jerusalem and got arrested for bringing a Gentile into the uh, the temple area, a guy named Trophimus from Ephesus. And at that point, they, they arrested him. They brought him to trial. He declared, no, nah, I'm preaching the gospel to everyone, not just Jewish people, but everyone. They didn't like it. And and so they start sending him from to Caesarea Philippi to, to other governors in order to persecute or prosecute him. He appeals to Caesar. So as a Roman citizen, he had that unique luxury to actually have his court case heard by the emperor. Mm-hmm. And so that brought him all the way to Rome. Mm-hmm. And so while in Rome, he writes four letters known as the prison epistles. And those include Philippians, 
Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon, a little letter to um, a slave owner known as Onesimus. Oh, man, you're digging deep Boom. now. Boom. Boom. Look at that, Look at that background. <laughs> That's gay. So Philippians, uh, man, he loved that group, and they had supported him all the way through. Mm-hmm. They had supported him financially. They'd sent people with uh, with money and, and, and gifts to him. And, and Philippians, as a letter, is in the most part a thank you. He's saying, hey, life's been tough. <laughs> It's been rough. I've been shipwrecked. Uh, I've had. I've been arrested for for no good reason. I'm and at this point, he is most likely under house arrest or even chained to a Roman soldier. So he is in a rough spot. And at this point, he's just saying, Philippians, thank you for supporting me. But as well, he's also giving us some instruction. Here's here's some things to think about and continue in mm. as you continue to spread the gospel from Philippi to the world. Yeah. So that's basically the the run-up to the book and then, yeah, a little preview of the book itself. And we're really excited. We're going to be in it for another uh, five weeks. And so uh, just walking through his letter and his instruction and, yeah, and just his gratitude and the, the grace and the love that just sort of you you see in the words and in, in the writing is just – it's really apparent and it's really beautiful. Um, yeah. Personalizes our scripture a little bit. Uh, instead of just seeing it as some sort of, you know, instruction manual or textbook. Right. so And some of your favorite verses, your favorite coffee mugs, oh, all yeah. come from the book of Philippians. Oh, for sure. Like, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Mm-hmm. Every Letterman jacket, ver- Bible verse reference. I can do all things absolutely. through Christ, through strengthens me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah. wreck this football field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Every time. So we'll, that's where we'll be digging. Uh, we have one major announcement that we want to make before we sign off here. And that is about our Grace Fellows program. Yeah, we um we're really excited to uh be kind of a few months into this year, but uh we're already looking at the next <laughs> as many students are, especially those that are graduating and so um one of the things that we start talking about right now is um what it would look like to work at Grace, what it would look like to work on staff with us uh, in college ministry or maybe even in our youth ministry or children's ministry, any, any you know, lots of different departments. Um but we would love to just talk with you if you're a student and you're graduating, if you're looking for basically just uh an opportunity to gain a little bit more perspective into how God's equipping you and and maybe if you're called to vocational ministry or 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 not man it's just it's a really great opportunity to be exposed and get experience uh in a, in a new in a, just sort of a wide variety of ministry contexts um in this kind of brief little unique window post college before you you know get locked into a career and a mortgage and all that kind of stuff it's it's really it's it's a unique opportunity to just sort of step away and say hey I'm going to see what God does with me in ministry, just maybe that's something that I've been leaning towards for a while. Maybe it's a brand new idea that I just kind of want to want to pursue, want to try it out. Um, but we would love to talk more uh, with anyone about that. So if you have any questions, uh, if you want to just have a conversation, I mean, we're, we're, our doors are open, our inboxes are open. Um, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, and Any you can get time. more information about the Fellows Program at www.grace-bible.org/fellows. So yep. any more information can. Go, go be found on our website. So thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast. Have a great week. <laughs>